But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come, here we go, all right, you uh, have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and you have become slaves to righteousness. Okay, so gratitude, what should we be grateful for? We have to be grateful that we have been set free. You know, set free from sin. And, you know, the first thing I think about when I think of being set free from, th- set free from sin is usually not uh, being a slave. <laughs> but this is what the Bible compares it. He's, he, he, he goes from, you have been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. So we're not going to be, we haven't been set free so that we can do whatever we want. That's what we were doing, whatever, what we, that's what we were doing when we were being slaves to sin. But we have been set free from sin so that we can become slaves for righteousness. And so it's not about, okay, whatever you do, you know, it's not about what you do. It's about what you, what you are becoming. You know, it, it's not, uh, it's not um, a, okay, cool, now I've, got a, now I've got freedom and I can have a little bit more leeway in what I do. No, it's, it's, I've been set free. It costs a price. It costs someone's life for me to set, be set free. I'm going to pay it back with everything that I got. And I'm now going to not base my own decisions on my own mind, on my own thoughts, my own feelings. I'm going to now base them on how I can be obedient to God. Um, and so that's what it says here. You, uh, though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You know, what? When we, when we, you know, decide to make Jesus Lord, we are, I mean, he's Lord, so we are his servant. You know, he, he is our master. It's not, a, it's not a mutual agreement. You know, it is, it still is John 15 where, no, I'm, you're no longer my slaves, but you are my friends. Like, it is a friendship with Jesus. He loves us. He's not a harsh master, but he still is our master. We still have to obey. We still have to fall in line and everything we do, gives it, we give it to God. And that is our love for God. You know, love for God, you are my friends if you do what I command. That's John 15. And so, you know, I think we can easily just say, all right, so I just got to, you know, I just got to keep doing what I got to do. I have to keep doing, doing the things and my heart will eventually come around. You know, it's like fake it till you make it, right? Well, I don't see that actually working out so much, so well, most of the time. And so I, uh, I looked at this, uh, this idea of what the, how, how, to, uh, how to make decisions in your brain. Um, and I don't, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not a, a, a surgeon here, a brain surgeon or a neurological expert here. But these are the parts of the brains and their functions. And you can't really read, well, oh, no, that's much bigger than it is on that TV. So you can see here on the outside. So I'm going to get, you know, going to put on my lab coat here real quick. So on the outside, you've got your, your frontal lobe and, and the other lobe and, you know, however to pronounce that. But notice on the outside of the brain, you've got thinking, you've got hearing, you've got touch, uh, sight, coordination. But then there's the inside one, the temporal lobe, that's hearing, learning, and feeling. So the inside of your brain is the stuff that is, is almost like the feeling stuff, the, the emotional, the, the, um, the thing that, um, that we get irrational thought from, the thing that we, we have like, uh, and I could be completely wrong here, but 
I think it's, 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 it is learning and feelings, but so if it answers the questions of why, you know, the why questions, why do we do what we do? Why, why is it like this? Why is, why is life so hard? Why, you know, why is there evil in the world? You know, it, it starts to, you, and then when you move out, you start to answer the questions of what is this? How do I do this? You know, and all these different, you know, um, all these different uh, other, I guess, tactile things. And so, to make, a, to make our actions line up with our words, you know, it has to be from inside. We have to start from the inside. Why we believe what we believe and allow our actions to flow from that. That's why I say gratitude has to be the center of it. Because if we're truly grateful for what we have, if, we tru- if we're truly grateful for the sacrifice Jesus made, then we'll just do what he says, you know, it, it, it will be natural. It'll be, it, we'll, we'll investigate it. We'll want to know more and more and more. Like, how can I follow what the scriptures say? How can I, what, what is, what are all the commands that Jesus has for us? Because it's, it's natural. It's, you know, when we, you know, I always compare it to if you, if you have a plan to work out, no one's really motivated by scrolling through a plan and being like, wow, that's a great plan. I'm going to do that, that workout plan. That's great. You know, I mean, it's someone else's plan. Someone else was inspired to make that plan. We weren't inspired. It, we might do it for a couple of days, but then eventually we're just like, I'm not feeling it anymore. It didn't really do what I wanted it to do. But if we decide in our heart, no, I need to get in shape. I need to work out. Whether, whatever motivations that we have, you will eventually make up the plan that works for you. You will find the things that you can become consistent in. You'll start to enjoy the labor of it. It won't, because you have decided in your heart, this is what I want to do. And so, what does that mean? Should we just wait for our heart to catch up for itself? You know, it's like, I'm not giving us an excuse here to just say, oh, I'm just going to wait for my heart to do whatever. You know, it's like, um, no, the Bible is pretty clear on this. We can't trust our heart at all. <laughs> it's, not even a, it's not even a thing. Like, you, you have to... You have to be strong. And these three scriptures will help you kind of circle in on how we should treat our heart. You know, you got Proverbs 25, which is the purpose of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. So you need to go to someone who has insight. You know, you need to lean on people to, to, to dive deep into your heart. And then you need to think deeply as well. Um, the other one is Jeremiah 17, 5. Um, is the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The scripture in Jeremiah continues to go on to say that the, God is the one who understands it. So we need to go to God to have our hearts scrubbed from, uh, from, our, own, from our own selves. And then there's Proverbs 4.23, which, uh, which uh, you know, should be a memory verse for some, of these peop- for some people in this room. It's above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. But there's also a better translation that says, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. I actually like that one a lot better because it's the wellspring of life. Everything you do flows from it. It, it is just the, it is just a spring. Of, but I'm, wait, isn't it the, the deceitful above all things? You know, it's like, wait, isn't it, isn't, it, uh, isn't it deceptive? Like, whoa, like how are we supposed to guard something that's so deceptive? And, 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 it's, and it should be precious to us. Like, okay. What is coming out of our heart should be, uh, should be something that alarms us. It should be something that, that, that shows us, oh, wow, those are where, that's where my motivations are at? You know, I feel, I feel um, you know, 
this is this is uh, this is hard for me, you know, because we have to think about what are the scriptures that we have the hardest time obeying. Because the scriptures that we can easily obey, those I mean, it's like those took no thought, those took no exercise, those took no, you know, deliberation in our mind. But what are the scriptures that we have the hardest time following? Because that's where our heart can be the most deceitful. That's where we can fall into the most ungra- ungrateful positions. And, you know, for me, the rules that I have the, hard, the hardest time that I view as rules, that I view as restrictions on me, are, are um, be completely humble and do nothing out of selfish ambition. Yeah. So that's Ephesians 4 and that's Philippians 2. And those two scriptures to me are just everything in my character that I'm like, man, that's where my heart deceives me over and over and over again. I want to win so bad. Every time I get into a competition, it's how can I win? How can I succeed? How can I not only win, but how can you lose? You know, I'm not, it's not just a motivation of winning. It's a motivation of you losing as well. And so when it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition, I'm like, I can't compete ever. Because <laughs> the minute I start competing is the minute my brain start, my heart starts to deceive me. That, man, you need to look good for other people. Man, man people are going to be won over by you because of how badly you want to win. And, you know, it's like when you win, dude, they're going to give you the biggest high five and you're just going to look so good. And it's like, that's what being, you know, it's like, that's what you need to go for. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. You know, even if it's like a vicarious win, like my team winning in football, I don't know why I take so much joy in that. I didn't do anything, literally sitting down the entire time. I'm literally doing the opposite of what they're doing. I'm like eating hot dogs or whatever. You know, it's just like, it's so backwards. It's so deceitful. But it consumes me. And then be completely humble. Not mostly humble. Be completely humble. When there's an opportunity for you to take credit, be completely humble. Don't take the credit. And that, that kills me. I want people to know that I was the one that succeeded. You know, that, 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 that competitive drive in me. I want people, I want the standing ovation. I want the people to say, you did great, you did a great job. We can depend on you. You're the best. And, 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 and those things sound great. And if they're, you know, and if people want to tell me that, great. But I can't let that go to my head. And so when I hear those things, I have to say, no, it wasn't me. You know, I appreciate that. It was God. You know, thank you so much for what you say. I can't be like, yeah. Yeah, give me more, more. You know, I've got to be on stage more so I can get all that more. It's like, no, be completely humble. My heart easily deceives me on this stuff. And so what is it for you guys? You know, I'm not Antoine, so <laughs> you don't have to raise your hand on this one. Um, that would be an interesting sermon. But what is it for you guys? What are those scriptures that you're just like, gosh, that's rough. Man, I don't want to do that. You know, and, and, and yes, I mean, obviously there's some, there's some sin in our lives that are, that are, that are, that have attached it, that, that have bound us tight, that are, that are easy, that we can get easily entangled to. And yes, the, the direct command of to repent from sin. Yeah. That's a command that we have all, all of us have a hard time following, but like, what is it? What are the things like this one that, that just, that are the commands that we easily just, man, that's 
rough. I don't like that. That's so uncomfortable, you know, that we do mental gymnastics to avoid, you know, or to lessen the standard, you know, and what is Jesus truly calling us to do? And so I want to look at one, you know, one more example here um, in Matthew 15. Um, well, two more examples in Matthew, but we'll start in Matthew 15. And so um, Jesus here is, is, uh, is, is um, responding to the Pharisees. You know, the Pharisees were, were accusing his disciples of breaking the tradition of the elders. And, um, and Jesus kind of throws it in their face as he normally does. And so he gets down here in verse 7 um, of Matthew 15 and says, You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Um, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. So, you know, what comes out of our hearts, what comes out of those, those, the, the center of our brains, the feelings, the thoughts, the, the, the rational thoughts, that's what's going to defile us. So those are the things we need to put the most thought to preventing and the most thought to, to suppressing, or not suppressing, but dealing with and pointing scripture to. Because, man, you know, sometimes I definitely feel like when he says, you hypocrites, Jesus is talking directly to me. You hypocrite. You're, you're twisting my words to mean something, to, to create this tradition that you just, that, that you miss the point you know, because there is a level of obedience that is, that is obviously not uh, glorifying to God. The Pharisees were so obedient. I mean, to the point where Jesus was like, you need to have a, you know, you, know, you need to have obedience greater than, your righteousness needs to surpass the Pharisees. Like, they were so righteous. Like, they were so clean. Like, they made it like a point to the point where they were like, hey, you didn't wash your hands. You're ceremonially unclean. It's like, whoa, like that is, that is a level of obedience that, you know, what Jesus calls them out is that you honor me with your lips, you honor me with your actions, you honor me with your deeds, but your hearts are detached from me. Your hearts are far from me. And so we need to be extra careful about, okay, are our actions coming from our, our hearts? Are, are, is our obedience coming from something inside of us, from, from, this, from the standard of, of the Bible? You know, and are we aligning our hearts with, our, with God's hearts? You know, that's why David had to express in the Psalms, God, create in me a pure heart. You know, it needed to be, it needed to change completely. It was almost like, yeah, just take this one out, put a new one in, because I just, I can't figure out how to create, how to, how to mold my heart back into shape. And so, you know, what are, I mean, what are some things that I think when we get down to it are, are, are the things that we have um, kind of fallen away from or created our own traditions? Because, man, you know, as we just finished that series, you know, Broken Christianity, you know, America has some weird things that we do for Christianity that are, that, that, that are just not in the Bible. Like just straight up inviting people to church. You're inviting them to a building. You're not inviting them to church. 
you know, we need to be inviting them to the body of God. We need to be inviting them into our family. We need to be, you know, building relationships with people. Just falling back on, yeah, here, come to my church. You know, here, just come, just come to my church. Uh, if you come to my church, that's when I'll be your friend. But just, you know, just come to my church. Take the invitation. Thank you. All right, just make sure you go. The address is on there. You don't, I, I'll get your number once you come to church, but just, just come to church. You know, it, it's weird. That's not, you know, the, when people were invited, it, I don't even think they were ever invited to church back in the day. Like, they just were just like, hey, we're trying to hide from the Romans because they're going to try and kill us. Let's, let's go into this thing and worship God together. It was, I mean, it, it, they didn't need to invite. They were just drawing anybody and anybody who would listen, anybody and everybody who would listen. And, you know, if we think that this is the place where spiritual connection happens, if we think this is the, like, only in this room can, can a relationship with God be started, we are dead wrong. And we have created a tradition that is ultimately more harmful than it is helpful. Because, man, no, the magic happens between face-to-face, in your homes, serving food to one another. No, and, and, never, and, and not never in this room. It certainly can, can somewhat begin and be amplified, but it happens when you're serving the poor together. It happens when you're, when you're, when you're sharing your lives with one another. That's where the connection with God can start. Because the, the way we love one another is the way that they'll know we're God's disciples. You know, and our actions, you know, this is just words. I'm just telling you words right now. You know, like I could, this could be, this could be deceitful. You could be hearing it deceitfully. You could, any, I mean, like, it's just, it's just words. We need to go out and live this for other people to be impacted. And so that would be one of the things that I think about is that, no, it's not, it's not about this room. This room is just a room. You know, when this room is filled with the Holy Spirit, that's when it becomes special. But that doesn't have to be confined to this room. It could be a Starbucks. It could be your house. It could be, you know, your basement, you know, where there's like a, a couch with a little like with a torn up cushion or whatever. It could be wherever you want it to be. The special thing is sharing your life with one another. And the tradition of church, it's, it, 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 can be, it can be a detriment to what we're trying to do. And so, you know, what are, what, maybe what are some other things, you know, um, and, 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 you know, I'll throw this one in there as well, is, uh, is communion is supposed to be a part of the worship service. Yeah, it's supposed to be a part of a meal. Like whenever communion was taken, even the first, the last supper or whatever, it was part of a meal. It was part of people sharing lives with one another. And it was, and it was a, a, great, a grateful moment, you know, because they remembered back, oh my gosh, remember when Jesus did this with us. It was so special. We didn't understand it at the time, but now we do. And so, you know, I think, you know, getting back to, to saying, okay, when we're together, we're going to remember Jesus. You know, not just wait for Sunday morning to remember Jesus. You know, not just waiting till we get that little tiny piece of cracker and the, and the barely grape juice. You know, it's just like, it's, it's, I mean, it's just, it is, it is important. Like, I mean, the Bible emphasizes taking communion as a part of worshiping God. Like, I'm not saying communion, the way we do communion is wrong, but there is a better way. You know, there is a more, you know, there is, you can do this on your own, 
with the people that you are bringing into your life and show that, no, this is, this is the way I show gratitude to God, not just on Sunday, but every day of the week. You know, they broke bread together. They broke bread together every day in Acts. I mean, it was just something that they did together. You know, yes, it was more embedded in their culture to eat, you know, and it was more embedded in their culture to have these social events. But for us, I mean, I don't, it's, I don't see why it can stop us. I don't see why it's like, oh, no, our culture isn't like that anymore. It's like we're not even supposed to be a reflection of our culture. We're never supposed to be a part of the world but not of this world. And so why, why do we cling to this? No, this is, church is supposed to be Sunday, and we're supposed to pass that stuff around, and it's supposed to be like this. It's like, no, it's not. It's not supposed to be. It's easier. It's what we do. And we should always be looking back to our hearts. Where are we being deceived? See how these, these, these things that started off being good have gotten kind of twisted a little bit. And so we, because that's what Jesus is calling out. Yes, good. It's good for you to wash your hands before you eat. That's great. But to call someone out for not washing their hands and saying it's sin for them, <laughs> whoa. You know, and so that, that is what I'm trying to, to expose here. And so I'm going to go ahead and close this out here with one last thought, um, and it is in Matthew, and we're going to be in Matthew 9. <clears throat> and it's going to kind of wrap it all up here. And so it's, also, it's in Matthew 9, but it's also in Matthew 12. He quotes it twice. Um, it's, it's in Matthew 9, verse 12. On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And then in Matthew 12, um, it says, I tell you that something, is greater than the that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. And this, he, what he is quoting here is Hosea 6.6. 6. And so in Hosea 6.6, 6, it says, um, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. And so I think a lot of these things, when we're talking about obedience, we can just view it as sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Okay, I'm going to burn my thing on the altar. I'm going to walk away, and I, now I know I'm clean. Sweet. And then I live my life normally from there. And so when we come in here for church and we're just like, this is what I need to do, take communion, sing some songs shake hands with people, give them side hugs. It's great. Awesome. Now I'm going to go home, live my life normally. It's, you know, I did my thing for the day. I'm forgiven. Good. That's not what God desires. And it's not saying that that stuff isn't necessary because that tough stuff is totally necessary. But what God desires is mercy. You know, and he says it not only in the Old Testament, but the New Testament. So you know it's extra important. He, Jesus made a point. It says, hey, when you're like this, when you are like, oh, I just need to follow the rules, I just need to obey, and, uh, and if anyone who doesn't follow the rules, man, they're in deep sin, but I'm following the rules, so I'm good. He's saying, no, 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 no. No, God doesn't desire that stuff. It's necessary, yes, but Jesus, I, I'm the sacrifice. You don't have to worry about that anymore. I need you to desire mercy, forgiveness, you know, a willingness to forgive people, a willingness to bring people in. You know, to, to realize that you are sick and you have been healed and you do and you want that for other people. That's what I want you to desire. Not these, all these rules. Yes, I mean, obedience is love for God. Like, it's, it's not one or the other. It's both. 
But mercy is the thing that is the most desirable to God, that I want you to desire this idea. Um, in the Hebrew, it's, it's hesed, um, H-E-S-E-D. You know, you can do your own Hebrew uh, Bible study, um, hesed. I can't do the, there it is, hesed. Um, and so that's, that's, what, that's what God focuses on. He wants, because he, he has that for us. And the way he did that for us was by sacrificing his son. And so the way we do that for other people is by giving up our lives to God so that other people can know about that as well. You know, there's an example of where they were like trying to trick Jesus and they were just like, hey, did you pay your, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And he says, uh, whose face is on the coin? Caesar. Yeah. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. And if we're created in his image, whose face is on our coin, our bodies? It's God. So we should give to God. We should sacrifice. We should have this love for God that is, that is grateful, that is merciful, and that is obedient. Because at the end of the day, obedience is love for God. And this, this merciful gratitude is what, is what fuels that obedience. And so with that, thank you guys so much.